Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verses 25 through 39. And the last time the message was titled, Your Adoption is Finalized. And it was really cool because I I have the five families that I know of that have adopted children in this church. They were all here for that message. And they were all excited to hear the message. You know, they were, they had joy over adopting a child and getting the letter from the agency that said, Your adoption is finalized. And I kind of brought that into, made the parallel to the things of God and how God adopts us into his family when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Um, Today the message is titled, From Beginning to End. And the reason being is because it's a comforting message. And it's just where we are in Scripture. Just basically, God had his hand on us from beginning to end. And really... That's actually a misnomer, because there is no end. You know, eternity goes on forever. Um, But I guess in the finite world of the human body and finite things in this sin-marred place, um, we look at things as the end. But for someone who goes to be with the Lord, their whole eternity is just beginning. And in the spirit of VBS, somebody made a dragon fly for me. Um, I'm really big into creation. I'm big into the cells and the atoms and the intricacies on such small levels prior to the electron microscope uh, invention. We wouldn't have known or seen these things, but I talked about the bee the last time. I I do want to talk about the dragonfly. And we are in Romans, and Romans 1 speaks about knowing that God exists and seeing his signature through his creation. So I did a little research because where I live, there are a whole lot of dragonflies, and they are really cool. So the dragonfly, just a bug, right? Well, the dragonfly has four what's called gossamer wings, and each wing, each of the four, will move independently of one another, giving the dragonfly the ability to go forward, to go backward, to go sideways, or to just hover in place. Their eyes, if they, if they hover in place, their eyes have 360-degree stereo vision. Insects don't have a chance when the dragonflies are out because they can sit there. These little googly eyes don't do them justice. <laughs> they get these big ball eyes, and they can look around, find the insect, and easily outmaneuver that insect. It's hard for us to catch flies and stuff, but they could do it within a second's time. As a matter of fact, our government and many governments are, they've been doing this for decades, trying really hard to create these insect drones that look like insects and they're able to spy. But they can't hold the candle to God's creation. So I just want to throw that out there. We're going to look at today in five parts. Let's jump in. Romans 8, starting with verse uh, 25. And I'm overlapping a little bit because I took this, I broke this up into three different sermons. But if we hope for what we do not see, then we eagerly wait for it with patience. 
So context, we left off with being adopted into God's family, but we're also in this state between two redemptions. Jesus came, redeemed the soul, the spirit, the part of us that's eternal. When he comes again, if he came the first time, he did promise he's coming the second time, we'll get the full redemption of the physical, of the body. There'll be, you won't see any more death and, and things like that, mourning, funerals. That stuff is uh, in the past. So we're in that in-between period. Uh, and what we're told basically is God almost patting us on the back or putting his hands on our shoulder and saying, it's going to be okay. Because in the interim, we walk by faith and not by sight. We anticipate something far better than this sin-marred world. The globalists and the humanists are very eager to make this place here, this fallen creation, their utopia because they reject God. And sadly enough, it will bring in all kinds of sorrow when this one fascist leader arrives on the scene, this, this antichrist, this globalist, and brings in all kinds of sorrow. But the Lord will have removed his believers for that time period. We know that our utopia, folks, is with God. His future remade creation in what I call paradise regained. And we talked about that last Sunday. Paradise, paradise lost. We're in that interim period. And we will see paradise regained. We spoke a lot about that in the prophet Isaiah before the book of Romans. So it's very exciting to me. It gives us hope. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit... The Holy Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession. He intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called, according to his purpose. So one out of five is the Spirit's intercession in our life is to get God's will, do- God's will done in our lives. The Spirit advocates for us when we don't know how to pray or we don't know what to do and we don't even realize it's going on. So I'll raise my hand. I'll be the first one to admit it. But I wonder if anybody here ever feels defeated. You ever feel exhausted. You ever feel emotionally spent? Do you ever go to pray? You're doing what I'm doing today, doing a lot of sighing. The coolest thing in the world is that what the Bible tells us is there's things going on on another level that we don't see. That there's unintelligible and inaudible utterings on a spiritual level. That's the Spirit interceding for us. I've been there. I've, been, I've prayed and, and I'm like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And it's like... I'm not really even saying anything, <laughs> but I, I know that the scripture is saying that God can, he can read my thoughts. He knows what's troubling me, even if I can't speak. Folks, we all go through this stuff. And honestly, there's nothing to be ashamed of. God doesn't call perfect people. On this side of eternity, nobody's perfect. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He intercedes for us. The Spirit is our advocate. He intercedes for us. And the Father knows what's going on as well. So you see the Father, Son, Holy Spirit all working in concert for our good and our blessings. My wife and I have been married for 22 years. And honestly, it's kind of funny because I'll go into the living room, she'll be sitting on the couch, and she turns to me to speak. It's like slow motion. And I'm like, I know what you're going to (laughs) say. 
And she's, she didn't even say anything yet. And I'm like, you're going to say X, Y, Z. And she does that to me sometimes. Something about that relationship. And after 22 years, we can read each other's thoughts based on our facial expressions and based on what's going on in our lives. That's pretty magnificent. But this is a whole other level. We can only do so much as humans, but God, he, he knows our deepest... He knows what's wrong with us when we don't know what's wrong with us. Isn't that amazing? He knows what, what's causing us ill, causing us difficulty when we don't know. He knows the root of our problems that cause us to live in dysfunction when we don't know the root of that problem. So, brothers and sisters, I'm glad I took this in three parts because this is exciting. This is a God who intimately cares for us. You know, when you talk to uh, the religions of the world and you ask, well, what's your God like? A lot of people can't articulate. Um, some gods are, are capricious. Some you won't know if they love you until you die. Some you have to work for them to gain their favor. And those are all false gods. It just happens to be that the one true God is the one who cares so deeply for us. And I can't even in words express the full blessings and the full character of who God is and how he interacts with us. Prosperity Gospel tells us to keep praying over and over again so you can get God to do your will. But the reverse in Scripture is true. The reverse is true. Is that God wants us to be in line with his will, which is always better for us. And some get disappointed. Well, you know, I saw that guy on TV and, you know, he talked about the cul-de-sac, uh, the mansion on the, on the cul-de-sac, and I just got to keep praying it and saying it in my mind. That's not reality. That's maybe for that guy, and maybe he's doing well in his Ponzi scheme, but um, that's not biblical. You know, the, his will, God's will in our lives may be that we don't get the promotion, that we don't get the bigger house. His will for us to be used for his glory may be that we get tested, that we are molded, that we're chiseled into the image of Christ, which we're going to talk, to talk about. And sometimes that happens through trials. You know, but it says all things will eventually fall into place. But they may not fall into place exactly the way we wanted them to fall into place. And that's a whole, new, a whole new level in Christianity. That takes us out of the Christian culture and to, into the depths of knowing God's word, being intimate in prayer, and understanding your creator and letting him speak to you, letting him work in your life. It's a whole different level. I have to tell you that in, you know, I say this every few years I share it and then somebody who's new to the church says, I can't believe you said that. I, I need to talk to you. In 1999, I had, I had crippling panic attacks where not only could I not be up here in front of all you, but when I had um, Christmas and you know, Thanksgiving at my house, if there were too many people, I'd, had to, I'd have to retreat into the basement. It was a nightmare. There are times, honestly, I just wanted to die. I'm like, Lord, just take me. I'm, I'm a believer. I'm good. I can't live like this. And it went on for a while. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't believe God gave me those panic attacks. Something in physiology, and, and I've done all kinds of study, really don't know how they came and really don't know how they left, but I'm glad they're gone. But I will tell you this, that I am constantly ministering to people who suffer with anxiety and panic attacks. You know, just ask me, talk to me, we'll talk about it. So I don't, I don't, I'm not ashamed, I look back, I, listen, I was... Uh, I, maybe I need to be humbled a little bit. Maybe I need to get a little bit more compassion. Maybe I needed to learn a little bit more understanding. I'm not bitter about it. It's worked for his glory. 
right? How do, because here's the thing, folks. If you say, hey, I got a problem with my kidney or I got a problem with my lung, you can say it without any issue, right, in the hallway. What do people do when they, have, when they say, I have anxiety or I, I don't feel emotionally that they're right? What do they do? They go to the pastor and they look around and they're really quiet about it. We, we fall down, you know? We're frail. And sometimes we need to see our own mortality, but it's really not something to be ashamed about. It, it is what it is at this point. When we go to be in glory, these things are not going to be anymore. So you don't have to worry about measuring. I tell people, I can see that you're, you're choosing your words carefully. Just spit it out. Just get it out there. It's fine. You're not, you're not going to be judged for it. Verse 29, continuing on. He says, For whom he, for whom the Lord foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So two out of five is God had a plan to work everything out in us and perfect us, which we're not there yet. His heart is still beating. We're not there yet before we were even born. Follow the progression. Let's look at this. He foreknew. He knew in advance his chosen, but he also knew who was going to choose him. 1 Peter 1, 2, it says, God elects, he chooses according to his foreknowledge. He knows who's going to accept him. We continue. You know, and, and, I, and I, the scripture twisters take, all right, I'm going to take Romans 8 and I'm going to prove that my denomination, and I, for those of you who've studied the Bible for a while, you know where I'm going with this. I don't want to go too far into it. They want to prove some theological treatise that supports their denomination or their bent. He didn't say we're predestined. Yes, he did, Pastor Joe. No, he didn't. Read it. He said that we're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There is a huge difference there. Are we allowing the Lord to conform us into the image of his son? Going to church honestly doesn't do anything unless we apply this to our lives. Are we resisting his change for our lives? Are we truly his? Those he called, those he justified, how did he do that? How did he declare us righteous? Through Jesus Christ on the cross. You believe in Christ and what he did on the cross for your sins, and you're justified. It's very simple. And those he glorified. Now, the glorification comes later. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, there will be a time where, well, listen, when, we're, when we lose the sin nature and we pass away, we're, we're in, into God's glory. We're different. We're not sinners anymore, which is really neat. In addition, in 1 Corinthians 15, there'll be a future occur- occurrence where God makes this incredible spiritual body that doesn't die, it doesn't decay, it doesn't get all kinds of ills and things that befall it. So that's a really neat thing. It speaks about the glory in 1 Corinthians 15 of the celestial body, which is really neat. I'm looking forward to that, Um, definitely. (laughs) So the foundation, though, is God's foreknowledge. He sees the end from the beginning. You know, I, I... Sometimes I I read the scripture and then I say to myself, so why did the Holy Spirit tell this writer or that writer to write it this way? I really think in this chapter, it's Jesus tells us not to worry. 
He tells us not to worry about tomorrow. We see that in Matthew 6. And I believe it's also to encourage us to not be thrown off by trials. It's almost as if the Lord is saying through his word, focus, focus, focus on me. And a lot of these things will just dissipate. Conform to the image of his son. You know, it's funny, I think of in Genesis that everything was, you know, in, in the Genesis account and creation, the world was without form and void, and then he takes that sort of clay, that blank palette, slate, and starts to make something beautiful out of it. You know, when we're conformed to the image of his son, we could look at ourselves, if we read the scripture, like a lump of clay too. A lump of clay just thrown on the table or on the potter's wheel. Honestly, it's not pretty. I've seen it. It's not a pretty color. It's a big blob of goo. Uh, and you see the potter take that, uh, that gob of clay and he throws it down and he, he pulls it apart. And, you know, in our lives, I, I wonder sometimes if we can make that parallel is that he, he takes us and he molds us. You know, he conforms us. And it doesn't, let me tell you something, the anxiety and the panic, it doesn't feel good. And it's like he works with the clay and he works with the clay and it's almost like he puts the clay in the mirror and the clay looks at itself and goes, I don't look like that anymore. I, I actually, looking at the lines, I'm, I'm looking at the glow, I'm, I'm looking at the change in color, I'm starting to look like Jesus. And that's his desire for us, folks. You know, he wants to conform us into the image of his son. That's the goal. In our culture, we've become very individualistic. We've become, you know, a lot of things. But God's desire, especially for the, for the church, for believers, is to be conformed into the image of the son. We have to ask ourselves that question. Are we, are we resisting that? Because we can with our free will. We can resist it. He's given us free will. Verse 31, we continue. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Three, putting it all into perspective. You know, I read it at Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I'm incredulous when I read it, and I think about witnesses to Christians who were martyred or burned at the stake or whatever, and they're singing, and they're praising God, and they're praying, and I'm thinking, how could they do that? in the middle of that hot, hot trial where their skin is probably literally melting off of their bodies. Well, they knew that at this point, I can't, I can't, there's nowhere I can go from here. And, and they're, you know, Stephen, the, uh, after the Lord, the, one of the first Christian martyrs, he's being stoned to death. And he, he's looking up into the heavens and he's undeterred by the rocks that are flying, whizzing by and hitting him in the head and, and killing him. How does that happen? It's either insanity or it's something that's out of this world. Well, I'm going to go with the latter. <laughs> so, um, so who can be against us in light of this temporary world that we live in? We must never confuse trials here or temporary light affliction, as the Apostle Paul says, with being abandoned by God. Amen? Now, when you read the Apostle Paul's account... It's temporary light affliction. I don't think he was being super spiritual. I think he was being honest. You know, he was, um, they try to kill him. They beat him. They, he was shipwrecked. He, uh, all these things he went through. And he goes, it's temporary light affliction in terms and comparison with eternity. Remember, he was taken up to see the third heaven. 
Probably after that, he was like, yeah, nothing compares to this. You do whatever you want to me. <laughs> he says, you know, if, he says to some believers, if, if I'm still alive, I'm going to be helpful to you. He goes, but if, if I die, it's just gain for me because I go to be with the Lord. So who's against you this morning? Is it your boss? Is it your family? Is it your affliction? Is it death? Put it in all perspective. If God is for you, who or what can be against you? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So four out of five is the evidence that God is for us. And folks, sometimes we need that evidence. Sometimes we, our feelings are getting to us. We're really bummed. We're really down in the dumps. And, you know, you read the scripture, and it puts its finger on what you're dealing with at the moment. And it's the logic of the word is, is penetrating you in your mind and in your heart to, to, to fight against the things that are holding you down and to convince you of God's love. This is logical. So if God, God so loved the world, John 3.16, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So if God gives his son to die for our sins, a horrible death on the cross... Well, will he not also do these things for us as well? It makes, it's logical. It makes perfect sense. Do we think he won't follow through on the rest of his promises in the scripture? This is probably the most encouraging chapters in all the Bible. But there's other scriptures as well, and I could go through dozens of them. Uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He tells his people, I know the plans that I have for you. These are plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. In the New Testament, 1 Peter 5, 7, says, Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. There's very few people on this planet that I could go, go to when I'm struggling. The majority of the times, I go to the Lord. A lot of the times, it's, I'm driving, and I, I can go from, if it's a half an hour or more, I've got a lot of time. And I just, I can't wait to actually to get in the car or to take a walk down my street. I just can't wait because it's going to be my time with the Lord. If you're going through a bad season in your life right now, let me tell you something. There is no coincidence that you are here this morning. And we were in the men's group and one of the men spoke up and he said, you know, there was all kinds of things going on in my life and I was being hindered from coming to this men's group. He goes, but I'm here and I'm glad that I'm here. Because God wanted me to be here to hear this. That's an amazing thing. We can have schedules. We can have people pulling us in all kinds of direction and miss a message that is going to speak to us individually. And I just love, and I'll get it from time to time where a handful of people come up to me and go, that message was for me. And somebody else says, well, that message was for me. Well, that message, well, the message was for all of you. <laughs> so, because the more things that are common to this, this walk and this life... It affects, the antidote is powerful because it affects all of us that are involved in that. Verse 33. What shall or who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Think about that for a minute. The love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? 
As it is written, he quotes the Old Testament in Psalm 44, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Five out of five. The security and the assurance of the believer in God's love. Verse 33. Who shall bring against a charge against God's elect? The answer is nobody. Satan tried to do it with Job, and the Lord told him he was wrong. Right? The, you saw in, um, in Jude, uh, the great archangel Michael and Satan disputing about something, and the archangel goes, you know what, the Lord rebuke you. I'm not even going to deal with you. You're just, you're just a liar. You're always lying. You're always conjuring stuff up. So who shall bring a charge against God's elect? The answer is nobody. Who is he who condemns the same? The answer is nobody. Justified is justified. And we saw in Romans 8, 1, that no condemnation is no condemnation. Who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? The same answer. Nobody and nothing. And he goes through all the things that are common to this journey in this earth. All the possibilities. And he's saying none of it. And why does he say that? I think, this is Pastor Joe's opinion, take it or leave it, doesn't matter. I think that he was writing to those who were struggling in their faith, which is a lot of people. In 2019, it's so stressful, it's such a, a crazy culture that we also struggle. And this, that's why it's called the living word, because whether it was written in the first century or the 21st century, it doesn't matter. It has the same application. So verse 36 is a little unusual. <laughs> he quotes the Old Testament. He goes, for your sake we're killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Um, God's people will suffer persecution. We will suffer trials. You can bank on it. Remember this, we're still in paradise lost. We're not in paradise regained yet. Jesus said in, in John sixteen thirty three, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Yet in all things, he says, we are more than conquerors. Hupernikao, which means a super conqueror. That's what we are. Through him that loved us. You know, I'm just going to say this, that last week, before Wednesday, I had put this scripture in, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then Dave uh, reminded me that his son, that was his life verse. And through all the ups and downs of his battle with cancer, he was a super conqueror, folks. The effect that he... I'm just, I keep praying, Lord, let me put the right words in this message to honor Drew. But I'm, as I'm honoring Drew, I'm honoring Jesus Christ. Because Drew couldn't have done all this without Jesus Christ. Drew was a super conqueror. The world sees, no, he lost his battle to brain cancer at 19. No, Drew is a super conqueror. And he's with his sister in, in the kingdom. I just, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> so, it's just where your perspective is. And this is what people do. They try to take this sin-marred world. Even some Christians, they're cultural, they're carnal. They try to make their kingdom here. Folks, it's not going to work. Paradise will be regained. And what Jesus did is he came out of time. 
And he threw the life raft to us. He was the life raft and said, take my hand. Here, let me stretch them out for you. Take my hand. Because this world is a sinking ship. And a lot of people don't realize that. They don't realize that. The message is titled, From Beginning to End. So I think we've made the case, and I didn't make the case because I didn't write this. Um, Holy Spirit did. We made the case through the scripture that in the beginning, God knew us. He knew us when we were in our mother's womb. You know what's amazing? Sometimes I was talking to somebody during VBS about this. We were getting like this deep conversation about God. And I said, I am conscious that I'm alive. My heart is beating. My brain waves, for the most part, are working properly. And um, I know that I'm alive. And I think to myself, 51 years ago, 52, before I was born, what did I think? Was I around? And it started to freak me out because history existed before me. Like, how does this work? And does God, like, he, does he, he makes the soul and he puts it in a body and he just knows what you're going to do. He knows if you're going to choose him. He knows if you're not going to choose him. So from beginning to end, and from our perspective, in the end, when we die, we go to be with the Lord, but the end becomes the beginning again. So I hopefully, I thoroughly confused you this morning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, but, and this is just so exciting because I like, I like education. I got a good education at Rutgers. I like the sciences. I like to debate people. I like to argue sometimes too much, but, um, <laughs> but the bottom line is God is so much smarter than I am. I'm like a, a flea. I'm like a speck in his eyes. And I do much better when I hold on to him. And folks, if you don't know Jesus Christ, honestly, what are you waiting for? If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're just, you were put onto this earth and you, you're, you're born physically, but you're not born of the Spirit and you're kind of meandering and making your way through a false kingdom and eventually you're going to die. And then there's no do-overs. I'm sorry to say that. So beginning to end. Will you see the Lord through the end? Because he wants to see you through the end. Will you be with him in the kingdom? He loved you enough to give you free will. At the end of the day, it's your choice. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have Children's Church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.